recording. This is Id3 Talks 4. Yes. Coming from Inclusive Innovation Incubator, unedited talks from CEO Aaron Saunders. Beautiful. Go. So uh, let's get right to it. You, we were just talking earlier, and you talked about being an ecosystem catalyst. What, is that? what does that mean? What is it? All right. First of all, I stole the term from Del Gines from Federal Reserve. Uh, so it's about being a connector and kind of uh, the scientific, I should have looked up scientific term for catalyst, but it's really like, there's already pieces that are in the ecosystem, right? So how can you connect those pieces and empower those pieces to help the overall ecosystem? So kind of what I'm saying to folks, it's not necessarily about, yes, from a business perspective, I want inclusive innovation incubator to do well, but it's kind of like, I, I should be able to measure the success of Inclusive Innovation Incubator by how successful the overall ecosystem is if, I'm, if I really am an ecosystem catalyst. So for example, if we take um, our program, so let's use a future written, not if, future written in code, the success of futures written in code will teach technical skills to more resources in the ecosystem, right? So now there's skills in the ecosystem. Let's hope that those skills now then go out and they either get jobs so then we're generating economic development, growing, helping the ecosystem, or they go partner with an entrepreneur who couldn't find a technical resource. So now they're helping create a startup or they go off and create their own startup now that they know how to code, right? So I've catalyzed these things by just having the Futures Written in Code program. And so that's kind of what I mean by an ecosystem catalyst. And so the concept is that if you fund the catalyst, so there's two ways you can help the ecosystem grow. You can fund the catalyst to help create these connections, create this density, create this collision to make these things happen. And you could also fund the entrepreneurs that are a result of the, the consequences or the after effects of the catalyst. What's the word? Cataclysm? No, it's not cataclysm. Uh, by kind of what is happening in the ecosystem. So... So, but there are two things, right? One is, <clears throat> sorry, the entrepreneur, mm -hmm. which is the, who, that could be the, the job creator and so mm -hmm. on and so forth and product uh, creator. And then you talked about a future written in code, which is a program that you've developed mm -hmm. that is mainly skilling, uh, providing skills to young professionals, mm -hmm. professionals and so on and so forth in terms of the technology. So that's two. That's two. But yes. I, want to, I want to be so, very specific yes, about yes, one thing there. It's um. It's not just skills, mm -hmm. right? So one of the things that you told me was that when talking with even entrepreneurs that are going through IN3, like we're teaching them something, mm -hmm. right? So they're learning specific skills, but the feedback that they gave you was that they also gained confidence, mm -hmm. right? And so what we want to do with our programs and the events and all the other things that we do here, it's more than just here's some material, memorize and learn it and go out and do it, but we want to increase that confidence and empower folks to feel like there's things that they can do that they might have thought they couldn't do before. So even though I'm teaching you how to code, I'm, in a way, I'm empowering you to start to think about the world differently. Think about the problems you might want to solve using code as a tool. So it's not, it's, I, think, I think looking at it as just skills development, I don't want to be rude, but it's kind of an oversimplification of what we're trying to accomplish here. Does that make sense? Yes, so let's, let's go one more step into that. So Future Written in Code is focusing not just in skills development, 
but you're also saying it builds confidence and it also provides a certain avenue for you to grow in the space of technology. One of the and empower the entrepreneurs in the ecosystem that can't find technologists to help their dreams get to the next level. So what you're essentially saying then, it's the workforce development component that you're actually trying to create from within this ecosystem. If we just focus on, because we have multiple programs, right? But right now it seems like we're going deeper on futures written in code. If we talk just specifically about future written in code, there's multiple levels. There's a workforce development, right? But there also is, it's, it's indirectly, you know, um, enabling entrepreneurship and startups and creatives uh, to create products that they might not have been able to create in the past because they couldn't find a technical capital in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So as we know in um, in in uh, in three labs and the cohort of thirteen companies that we have now, I think there's only one company that has technical resources in them. All the other entrepreneurs are looking for technical resources to help them kind of get to the next level. And so, I mean, it's a small, it's a small, you know, data point segment or whatever you want to say, but I, I would argue, or I would posit, is that what you say? <laughs> that if we expand that out after we get more data, that you'll find that, you know, this just isn't a lot of technical capital here, which is why IN3 Labs is focused on the tech enablement part. So I was going to segment, you know, segue towards the innovation lab. But before we do, let, let's talk about what we were talking about earlier. You said you were interested in launching a program focusing solely on technology, which is a, a component of what you have provided within the inclusive innovation labs mm. about product creation. Mm. So one side is future written in code that provides workforce development and uh, let's call it confidence building, mm. being a, a more a sophisticated professional mm. and so on. And then the other side is becoming an, an entrepreneur creating a product. Talk, talk about that. So the idea is that, so we have some people who are in our current cohort who one of the things that drew them to this program was the tech enablement part. Um, they know that there's a lot of places that you can potentially go to get the business part of how to start your business. But if it's a tech enabled business, I need to understand technology a bit. Um, we were speaking to some folks who've had um, unsettling experiences uh, offshoring their technology or trying to identify, you know, programmers who are working part-time at night because they have a full-time job who aren't committed, don't share their passion for their project. Um, but even if they could find the right technical resource, without some baseline understanding of the technology, how do you know if you're getting a good deal? You know, how do you, how do you know what you're getting? So what we're trying to do, no, not what we're trying, what we're doing with Inclusive Innovation Lab, my buzzword is the tech-enabled business boot camp, <laughs> um, is to help educate, build confidence around technology um, so that they know the right questions to ask, they have enough information to you know, potentially interview um, a technical resource slash CTO, a developer, or even just understanding the process if you choose to offshore your work. What are things you should be looking for? What kind of deliverables should you be expecting in return? Kind of how to manage that process so that they can have a successful outcome. So with um, the innovation, the inclusive innovation labs, uh, you've been running it for now the third week. Yes, we're in our third week now. Yes. So what have you learned from running this program? I have learned, A, what we touched on earlier was that I knew the confidence thing was important because when I taught at Howard, that was one of the things that I recognized that was happening as, as um, I started to work with the students. 
as we got further and further into the uh, curriculum during the semester, I could see the confidence change as they start to understand it. It's um, it's funny we were talking about this earlier with gaming earlier. There, you know, if you go back 15 years, maybe 10 years, software development was like this big, huge mystery, right? And the gatekeepers in the tech ecosystem made everyone else think you're not smart enough to do this, right? That's how it was. You have to go to school, you have to get this degree, you got to spend all these years, you're not smart enough to do it. And if you fast forward to today, that whole thing has been demystified, right? It's like, don't get me wrong, coding is hard, being really good at it takes a lot of time and effort, but kind of the barrier to entry is not as high as they had people believe it was in the past, mm. right? And so through exposing people to coding, exposing people to technology, we can help build their confidence. We kind of break down that wall and people realize it's a much more approachable thing that they can do. So then it can then start to enable, empower, catalyze ideas in their mind that they could potentially solve with technology because it's not something for them to be afraid of anymore. Right. So part of the program, uh, we, we one of the things that we've experienced is a mentorship side mm -hmm. of it. Why did you think it was so important to have mentors from different, you know, industries and sectors come and talk to these um, participants? Well, I, I think that it's important a for the it's about building out the social capital in the ecosystem. Uh, so in plain English, it's about. Uh, so if we use the lawyers, specifically, like, people were very engaged. We had two lawyers stop by. Uh, people were very, very engaged with the lawyers, right? Uh, because I don't know any lawyers. Like, I didn't know any lawyers till I started my business. And when I started my business, I didn't know where to go to find a lawyer. I didn't know where to go to ask any legal questions. Um, it's kind of like what we're trying to solve the technology problem, right? You have an idea for a business. I don't know anybody who writes code. Where do I get answers to? A lot of the entrepreneurs don't have access to any sort of legal advice. They can't just ask their brother's uncle's cousin's mother, you know, hey, can you quickly review my contract? Hey, what should I be doing around HR? And so um, getting access to the lawyers, I think, is critical. Um, just to ask some basic questions. I know I went through some interesting challenges when I started my business because I didn't have access to a lawyer to ask questions to. Um, so if we use just the lawyers as a mentor, you know, also, you know, the mentors are coming in bringing experience, experience from their job, their career, um, that can support what the entrepreneurs are trying to do. It was helpful that a lot of the mentors had um, years of experience mm -hmm. uh, in, in specific industries that are transferable to skill sets that can help the entrepreneurs be successful. Um, I think that the mentors also can help increase the confidence of the entrepreneurs. Hey, this stuff is hard, but here's some things that you should look out for. You know, I think the mentors were also kind of, re like I said, reinforcing the idea that this, this stuff is hard and it takes time. Mm -hmm. And I think um, too often things, too often people expect things to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. and. Um, the mentors can help them understand that. So aside obviously from the ideation, the operations, um, the marketing, two specific programs that I, I find very interesting is one you had a, a whole session on sales and then the second one is VC venture, how to fundraise. Talk about that. I think that, once again the sales one was another one of those. It's, it's interesting since this is our first one, mm -hmm. we put together an idea of what courses we wanted to offer 
and then you kind of sit back and you see how people respond. Mm-hmm. And clearly the sales one, people were very, very engaged because most people have a, a bad attitude, not a bad attitude, but sales is, the, when you say sales, they think of like the used card salesman, yeah. someone just trying to extract my money from me, mm-hmm. right? And it's this kind of tug of war of, you know, I want to give you as least bit of my money as I possibly yeah. can, but I want to get the most value back out. But now when you start your business, you have to realize that you're on the other side, right? You're the one who's trying to get money out of someone else, um, and you need to figure out effective strategies to do it. I, I think that, um, I forget the guy's name, Dominic? Yes. Who came, he was able to a, connect with most of the people in the cohort and present the importance of sales uh, as, uh, from the product development perspective mm-hmm. in a way that was digestible. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of entrepreneurs, I don't, I don't want to generalize, so I'll say sometimes entrepreneurs don't place an emphasis on sales. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear it all the time. Oh, well, look at Facebook and Snapchat. You know, well, well that's Facebook and Snapchat. Everybody's journey is, in, is separate. We, we are living in a time now where a lot of folks are saying, do you have any customers? Do you have any traction? And to get customers and to get traction, you have to do sales. And so I think what you'll see over the next couple of months and years is that sales will start to move higher up the ladder of importance in these type of programs or the programs will just fail horribly because um, people aren't writing checks the way they used to. I mean, even the as we transition to the, the venture capital session and the fundraising session that we had, two individuals that were there, I mean, you kept hearing it over and over again, sales and traction, sales and traction. You have to have sales and traction um, because that's what, that's what investors are kind of looking for now. So, um, if you had to give one important advice to entrepreneurs of, of tech-enabled or tech businesses, mm-hmm. what would it be? Just one important advice, especially after seeing these, uh, you know, you had to screen through mm-hmm. uh, a, a series of applications, you had, you know, we had a panel to kind of select which mm-hmm. ones to, to, to get into this cohort. What would be, what would be uh, the most important advice you would the, the most important advice is something that I'm even struggling with myself, and that is uh, this is really hard to do by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe like 90, I think there's only two people in our cohort that actually have a co-founder. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when you and I spoke to them individually, the ones who didn't have a co-founder, um, it bothered them that they didn't have a co-founder because they realized how much work this is mm-hmm. and how much how much how much there is to know and even even with the the information that we're providing them through the seminars that we're that we're doing they're just talking about that's just a lot of information it's just overwhelming it's a lot of information and so even if you just had one co-founder right it cuts in half you know what you really have to take in so for example you could have one person who says hey i'm going to focus heavily on the sales stuff i'm going to wrap my head completely around the sales stuff and the other person could say well i'm going to try and understand this technology stuff or this business model so you can kind of spread the information out and kind of, you know, help you, honestly, in my opinion, increase the probability of a successful outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, because they say that, what do they say? People, they say um, the entrepreneurship game, it's, it's, it's a marathon, right? Mm-hmm. And you die either because you run out of money or you just get tired and you give up, mm-hmm. right? And uh, the money one, yeah, there's only so much you can do about that. But, you know, getting tired and giving up when you're by yourself it's a lot, I believe that it's a lot easier to just get tired and give up. 
mm. um, because you're carrying the whole load yourself. Yeah, they say entrepreneurship is about resilience. Yes. As we were saying, uh, entrepreneurship is about resilience and yes. self-determination. And one of the greatest challenges that I know you have echoed a lot and that you've observed is the fact that most entrepreneurs don't have a technology mm. uh, person on, on their team. Talk about that. And at the same time, one of the, the main things that you've said also is how can I serve as a virtual CTO for, for startups entrepreneurs? So, so yeah, that's like I buried the lead. <laughs> so the concept of the kind of virtual CTO or I mean, it's no different than other other key. It's like, how do I get a key resource as part of my team from an entrepreneur's perspective uh, to get the startup or the business to a certain level and then help them identify the appropriate resources to kind of take the company to the next level? Right. So um, if we step back to what we were talking about earlier, if you're an entrepreneur and you have a great idea for business, but you have no technical capital in your ecosystem, how would you even identify a CTO mm -hmm. or a developer who could help you? You don't know if they're good or if they're bad. You don't know if they're lying to you. I mean, you can't even validate their work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're at a complete disadvantage. Mm -hmm. um, and now, because everybody who's watched a YouTube video or gone to a coding boot camp you know, fancies themselves a CTO, you have no way to judge it. Um, so the concept of this virtual CTO is that, as Rahel, my business advisor says, for some money or some equity, because we don't work for free and we're running a business, yes. right? Um, we get some equity shares from the company and we provide CTO services to help them get to a certain point. And then um, ideally we would help them identify a resource to come and be the CTO, help them put a team in place and then transition out. Um, as I, I said in another video before, at, at this point, maybe it'll change. I don't want to. I don't want your company, <laughs> right? But we want to help you get to a certain place um, to to grow your company. And you know, hopefully, one day through the future of written code and a bunch of other things we're doing, there'll be more technical capital and people will be able to. Well, through two things: through, through futures of written code, we'll create the technical capital. And then through in three labs, we'll educate you about technical resources, and then you'll be able to identify a technical resource, find someone who shares your vision, and get a technical lead, which can potentially transition to a CTO for your business. So, so once again, we're circling around, we're catalyzing, right? Yes, so through, close the loops. yes, we're closing loops through individual actions that if you step back, it's kind of one of the things that I also say about all the work that we're doing. If you look at each thing individually, it's one thing, but if you step back high enough, you see that we're kind of trying to connect the pieces, fill the gaps to help grow the ecosystem. So one uh, question to you. Why do you care so much? Uh, <laughs> why do I care so much? I guess two things. A, at a base level, because um, There was a time where I was like, why, why can I do this? Like, it's like, people wonder, like, what's your purpose in life, right? Um, when you're young, you don't care. It's like, I'm getting paid, I'm doing things I want to do. But as you start to get older, you know, after I had my son, and you start to look around, you're like, well, I'm doing things I like, I enjoy it. Um, and then also part of it was, I just didn't see a lot of people that looked like me. Right? You get to a certain level in your career, you, a certain level of accomplishment, and you start to look around, and you're like, well, no one looks like me. And then you complain about it, like most people do, and how horrible it is, and all the bad things about the world, <laughs> right? And then at some point you say, well, you're complaining, but what have you done to change it? Like, have you even tried? Um, and so that's kind of what set me down this path, you know, specifically starting with Clearly Innovative, 
you know, I worked as a software developer for many years, and usually I was the only person of color there. And then when I started my company, I was like, I can continue to complain about it or I could do something. So, you know, we, we, we intentionally focused on trying to make sure we created opportunities for people who didn't have opportunities in the past. We didn't exclude anyone, but we wanted to make sure that we were giving everyone an equal opportunity um, to get access to what I believe something that helped me, you know, accomplish a lot of things that I wanted to do in my life. Um, I tell people that coding, writing software helped me write a book. You know, which I never would have connected those dots. You know, it got me into business school. It um, allowed me to travel in Europe. Um, all this stuff came from coding, right? And there's a lot of, when I started on this journey of kind of spreading the word about coding, there was a lot of people who just didn't know a person of color who was a software developer um, and didn't know all the doors that it could potentially open. I mean, the world has kind of caught up a little bit to it, um, where now people realize that technology is important. But, I, you know, I can still remember... You know, when I was younger, you know, when my dad would take me to Radio Shack, or I, if you go all the way back, back to like Comp USA, um, you know, you could like, you could run through the place. I mean, right? but now you try to go to any computer store technology, it's like, it's actually moved out of kind of having separate computer. Like Comp USA was a store just for selling computers, right? But now you could go to Walmart. You could pretty much go to any store you want to and buy a computer now. So. It's the, the whole kind of culture around computers and programming has kind of transitioned back from where it was when I first started. And, you know, there's definitely some good and bad. I mean, there's still some people who don't have access to that experience um, for an assortment of reasons. But, you know, we, we do our best to try to make that change. Beautiful. So um, we'll continue this discussion definitely in the next uh, session. Any last words? Um, thank you for listening to the end. Because if you heard this, you, that means you listened all the way to the end. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Bye. And uh, how about uh, you're having the... Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. If you made it to the end. Yes. <laughs> um, April 11th, pitch event for the 13 businesses that made it through the initial cohort of the Inclusive Innovation Lab. You should come by, um, hear their pitches, hopefully chat with them, learn about their experience, and maybe uh, sign up for it next time around. Thanks again. Bye.